0: As far as Friday's concerned, you know, and I, I think during this stretch that the Mets have had, all the wins have been so precious that they've had that every one of them has felt the same in terms of, oh, my God, they can't lose this game. The finale against the Nationals a few weeks ago, before we knew how bad things would get, they were on a four-game losing streak. They blew a big lead, and I think we all thought, oh, my God, they can't lose this game. They're playing the Atlanta Braves after losing that cheap Friday night game where it was only five innings, the official game. They're about to get swept of a doubleheader against Atlanta, and it's, oh my God, we can't lose this game. You go to the Colorado series, game one. They won a one-nothing game. Oh my God, after getting swept by the Tigers. We cannot lose this game. It's just the continuous trend. You go to the Cincinnati series. Justin Verlander on the mound. We said it on the last Rico, trying to nurse a two-one lead. Oh my God, they cannot lose this game. Every one of them. These are the these are the wins. They all have that precious. The, the Mets are holding by the, the skinny. What's that phrase? The uh, by the uh, a thread. No, no, no I'm thinking of a nursery rhyme actually. Um, I
1: know, <laughs> I know Mother Goose. I don't know. I don't know many of it. Good night,
0: moon. No, no. It's the one with the fox <laughs> who blows down the houses. What's that called again? The three little pigs. Three little pigs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By my skinny by the... tin teeth or something. My By my. Hair of my chinny chin chin. There it is. Hair of my chinny <laughs> chin chin. There it is. You got it. <laughs> yeah. That's the analogy I was looking for. I don't know why I'm thinking about skin or teeth or whatever. Whoa. The little hair of my chinny chin chin, or whatever the hell that means. Friday night against the Nationals was exactly that. It was the same thing. I mean, it was. It feels like every game that they win is the same. They give up a run early. We're all cursing out Tyler and McGill because you know it, it took five minutes for the Nationals to take a one nothing lead, and it was frustrating because in the top of the first inning against Mackenzie Gore, who gave the Mets fits a few weeks ago. The Mets put together arguably one of their most impressive top of the first innings they've had, and they didn't score a run. Brandon Nimmo has this long at-bat to start it. He grounds out, but okay, long at-bat. Lindor has this really long at-bat. He pops up. Two outs and nobody on, but Mackenzie Gore's throwing like 18 pitches. Jeff McNeil gets a single. Pete Alonso has a long at-bat, draws a walk. Tommy Pham has a long at-bat, draws a walk. So now you got bases loaded, two out. Mackenzie Gore is thrown a million pitches. And Starling Marte's at the plate, having a long at-bat. Except he flies out. So the Mets don't score any runs, but they make Mackenzie Gore throw 37 pitches. And I have to admit, I felt like it was a win. I actually felt really good despite not scoring a run because it felt like last year's Mets. And I know that's such an annoying thing to continue to say, but when you have a year in which you win 101 games and you have a year that has started off like this, there's always going to be the inevitable comparisons on this happened. Now it's not, this didn't happen. Now it is. And one of the things that has not been happening is, is long first innings in which you make a starting pitcher work his ass off. They did that with Mackenzie Gore, even though they couldn't score a run. What was frustrating is that Tyler McGill now gives up a run. And it wasn't kind of that same grinded out at bat. He walked Luis Garcia on four pitches, allowed him to steal second. And then Joey Manessus bloops a single to right field. It's like, what the, what the hell? WTF? We worked our ass off. 37 pitches from McKenzie Gore. We get nothing. Here's like a little bloop single by Manessas and it's one nothing Nationals. Very, very frustrating, but McGill, McGill has been, he has not been bad. I want to make that clear. Tyler McGill has been like the perfect back of the rotation guy. He has pitched the way a filler guy should pitch and you'd be happy with the way he's pitched. His, you know, his ERA is like in the low to mid fours. He puts a ton of guys on base, but he makes the big pitch. I mean, you look at his performance on Friday, five innings, four hits, four walks, so a lot of base runners, two runs, one earned. And let's talk about why that run was unearned. Because Francisco Lindor, who has had a very weird season this year, very weird season. That game on Friday defines his season. I mean, think about it. He goes one for five has a bunch of crappy at-bats, but the one hit he gets is monumental. And then we get to his defense. The Mets are losing one nothing. They can't get a run across against Mackenzie Gore. There's a runner on second, one out, and a guy who just got called up, Jake Lewis, is at the plate, and he hits a ground ball to shortstop. Lindor should eat it up. He should throw to first base. There should be two outs. The Mets should be right there to get out of this inning and keep it at one nothing. And he cannot make the play on what I think is a routine ground ball to Lindor. It turns into a two base error. It allows the runner from second to score runner from third to score because there was a runner on third at the time. And I think that was probably the issue that Lindor, because the infield was in was thinking and trying To basically throw home to cut off the runner, which I don't know. Maybe it's a 50 50 play, 60 40. He gets him, kind of in that range. But Lindor is thinking ahead. He doesn't pick up the baseball. Can't make the play. And that can't happen. Not from the all star gold glove shortstop. That cannot happen. That's a huge error. That's a pivotal error. And to McGill's credit, let me give McGill some credit because that error not only makes it 2 0. But there's a runner on second and one out with the top of the order coming up. And he very easily could have completely let go of the rope. And he didn't. To his credit, he got back-to-back outs, including a strikeout of Garcia, and then went out and pitched a one, two, three, fifth inning. So his response to the Lindor error, I thought was really impressive. And five innings, two runs, one earned from my depth guy, I would take it every day of the week. So I give Miguel a lot of credit. But, man, Lindor has got to make that freaking play. All right, so first of
1: all, the problem is with McGill is not that he's pitching mediocre. It's that everyone's pitching mediocre, so we need someone else to step up. So that's why it looks worse than where it is. Now, now I I, got to defend Lindor, though, because the whole team is, is pressing right now. Like, Lindor is literally pressing. You can see it. That is routine play. But this team is going up in smoke real quick. Everything is burning around us. And Francisco Lindor, I think, is feeling the pressure the same way he did two years ago when he first came to his team. Even last year, the beginning of the season, he was off to a rough start. I think he got as low as, I think, 230-something with his batting average in sometime May, whatever it is. And then he finally found a way to turn it around. I'm not worried about him, but I do want to say that the guy is still in big moments, can find a way to achieve big things and come in clutch. But the problem is that he's just pressing, so you got to give him a break on that.
0: Everybody, but I'm going to give everybody a break for pressing. I mean, is that is that? You, that but what listen, we he's our star. He's our
1: star player. No one else is performing either, and he's eventually going to put up the numbers. And as before, before this week, he's been pretty decent. He's been more than decent. At well,
0: I, I'm not even talking about his offense. I do think that hit this game was the full indoor experience in that he had a bad offensive game, but then when the Mets needed him the most, which we'll get to comes through with arguably the biggest hit of the year, which I acknowledge, but he also made a pivotal error. And and defensively, I understand pressing at the plate. I get it. I think everybody's pressing at the plate. I think that game on Friday featured a ton of pressing at the plate because the Mets could not get a big hit. That was their biggest issue against Mackenzie Gore in the Nationals' bullpen was that it's not they were getting mowed down. It's that they had a million different opportunities and just could not get that big hit. And Lindor was the guy who delivered it. So I, I do think one through nine, everybody's pressing. But I've seen Lindor's defense over the last week and it's been, it's he has struggled. He has struggled defensively. And I don't want to see a guy as good as him take that crap out to the field. I haven't seen Pete Alonzo struggle defensively. I haven't. And he's had his frustrations at the plate. So if you want to make the excuse he's pressing, uh Okay, make the freaking play. That, that was a huge moment in the game. Now, the best part is Lindor is able to erase it because without him in the sixth inning, what are we talking about? You know, we're talking about a depressing 2 nothing loss. But they finally, finally were able to come through. And you go through that sixth inning. They get the lead off it by Marte. Props to him. Because I think Starling Marte is showing a pulse. Can we admit that? Showing a pulse. Showing a little bit of a pulse. He had two hits in that game. I thought he hit the ball well, and I thought that first pitch single, that line drive up the middle in the sixth inning, was very encouraging. Mark Canna had a lucky double. It was a lucky bloop double. I'll take it every day of the week, but it is what it was. Second and third, nobody out. I totally agree. Buck pinch hits for Eduardo Escobar with Brett Beatty. I think Beatty should have been playing, but he, he has cooled off. He's been slumping. So against Gore, I think Buck was thinking, you know what? If I'm going to get his bat out of the lineup, give him a day to kind of recalibrate. Why not a day like today? And it wasn't even a full day to recalibrate because guess what? He's pinch hitting in a big spot in the sixth inning with second and third, nobody out down by two and he grounds out and that sucked. And what made it worse was the base running of Mark Hanna. Because again, you've got second and third and one out or uh, nobody out. And Brett Beatty hits a little tapper, little tapper that's fielded by the pitcher. Okay. The pitcher will now throw home and he does that very casually to get Starling Marte at the plate. Pitcher at the time, by the way, is Andres Machado, if we care, right? Canna has to end up on third is confused. He's off second base. He's looking at Machado. He ends up not advancing, which pissed me off even more when Alvarez hits a ground ball to first base where they would have conceded the run. Of course, they would have conceded the run. It's a 2 nothing game. In that case, they would have conceded the run, not a tapper back to the mound that was hit by Beatty. So now it looks as if the Mets are about to have another inning, and they had plenty in this game, where they're unable to score. Nimmo draws the walk and then it sets up the Lindor at bat against Carl Edwards where he hits the three-run double. Great job by Brandon Nimmo. Give him a lot of credit too because it was a three-run single, not a three-run double. I apologize. I, I keep thinking it's a three-run double, but it wasn't. It was a just a regular single. Nimmo running his ass off because it was three and two is able to go first to home and then Lindor goes to second on the throw. It was an incredibly clutch hit by Francisco Lindor. I guess, yeah, I give him credit. I mean, I'm not, I got no agenda here. I'm just calling it like it is. His defense sucked in the fourth inning. He came up with a monstrous, maybe season saving hit in the sixth inning. And Brandon Nimmo had heads up ace running after we saw Mark Hanna have his head up his ass. What was frustrating is that that was it for the Met offense. It was like, okay, we, we gave you three runs. We're done. They had a chance in the ninth inning to add insurance. No one did anything. And so the Mets now relied on their bullpen from the sixth inning on to get 12 outs. And I did not feel good about that. I mean, it's why we were saying earlier, every win that they've had recently has been by the hair of their chinny chin chin. Got that right. Every one of them. To Brigham's credit, one, two, three inning. To Ottavino's credit, one, two, three inning. Then we get. To what I thought was really interesting managing by Buck Showalter. And I don't hate it. I just wouldn't have done it. Like, I think what I would have done was bring him pitches the sixth grade. And then, whether you want to go Adevino seven, Drew Smith eight, however you kind of want to line it up, I think I would have used Adevino Smith Robertson in some kind of order to get those last nine outs. But I think Buck Showalter it kind of showed you we got to win this game. So instead, he goes to Ottavino in the seventh against nine, one, and two. And he goes to Robertson in the eighth to face three, four, five, which is not uncommon for him. We have seen Robertson, it feels like, pitch more eighth innings than ninth innings because of where the batting order seems to coincidentally show up in that spot. So for him to come in and face three, four, five in the eighth inning, a part of me is thinking, all right, I guess Drew Smith's going to get the save opportunity because usually it's been Adam Ottavino. But he uses him an inning earlier, and Robertson pitches a one-two-three inning, very good defense. See, watch this, very good defensive play by Lindor on the Robertson play that he should have made that went off his glove. So Lindor made a nice defensive play against Ruiz, and then Robertson, and he was sort of lucky on this because I think the the umpiring in this game was abysmal. There was so many missed miss pitches, but Robertson gets back to back strikeouts, one two three one run lead. He's thrown 15 pitches and I figured he's just going to go to Drew Smith, but he lets him start the ninth and it shows you Pete Buck Showalter looked at this game on Friday and said, we have to effing win. And David Robertson's been amazing. We all know that he has 0.4 ERA, whatever it is. And Buck said, I'm not losing. And if I do lose, It'll be with my best pitcher on the mound. So we asked David Robertson for a six out save. Did you like it, by the way? Um, I was
1: confused because I assumed that they were going to go to Drew Smith right away. So when I saw Roberts come out for the ninth, I'm like, I understand the desperate nature of it, and I wasn't hateful of it. But then I'm like, you got three, you got three games against the Nationals again right after this. You're screwing up tomorrow. We're gonna need Robertson. So I, I, I just, I didn't. I actually hated it, because I I, I, I know we one. need the win. We need the win, but like you, you need every single yeah. inning possible
0: from your your pitchers. I, I wouldn't say I hated it. I, you're right. Like in terms of you're eliminating David Robertson for two days, and I think you have to know that going in. My attitude, the reason why I wouldn't be pissed about that is let me win this game. Let me get this win. I already know what this game looks like. This is a one-run game. This was a game in which I was losing frustratingly for six innings. I got this huge hit from one of my best players. I got to win this freaking game. Because I don't know how Saturday is going to play out. Maybe I'm winning 9-1. to Maybe I'm losing 9-1. to Like, there are a lot of ways you can win and lose and not need your closer. So I can't worry as much about Saturday and Sunday when I got to win Friday, and I normally wouldn't think this way, but because they haven't had a lot of wins over the last few weeks, I got to get it when I see it out there. Yeah, but I always hate that mentality. Now,
1: listen, this is different because this is a winning situation, and it's like, you know, we're desperate for a win. But there's been years in the past where it's like, ah, you know, we this guy hasn't seen an inning in a while, so let's give him the ninth inning, even though we're up by five runs. And then the next day, we need them, and they're not effective. You know? Yeah, so yeah. that's the other thing.
0: But, but that wasn't the case. you know I don't know it's because we're desperate. absolutely it's because we're desperate. I acknowledge that if the Mets were having the year they were having last year, this is not a discussion. We're not talking about David Robertson coming in for a six out save. Now the the problem I thought Buck had is that David Robertson was shaky. like even in the strikeouts against Manessas and Smith, he was he did not have the pinpoint command that we've seen at times. And so he walks the leadoff hitter in the ninth. He fell behind Alex Call, probably should have walked him too, but he strikes him out. He strikes out CJ Abrams. So it looks like, wow, he's going to get through this bad boy. Then he walks Jake Allou, which was a huge problem because now all of a sudden you're putting the lead run, the win running on base, and you're going to the top of the order. And that's when Buck had no choice because A Robertson at the 40 freaking pitches. And I think after that walk, you started to think, okay, I got to get him out now. He does not have the ability at this point with the amount of wear and tear he's just issued over the last two innings, to go get Lane Thomas. So I thought, I I can't say I would have pulled him earlier because when he strikes out Colin Abrams, I'm keeping him in. Once he walks out, Lou, I think it's obvious you got to get him out of the game. And Drew Smith, man, you got to give him credit because he got the job done and he struck out Lane Thomas and they escaped.
1: Yeah, but the call strikeout was the – I've never seen a guy strike out on four, on five pitches and four of them be balls.
0: No, I know. Okay, but Pete – It Pete. was terrible. He didn't swing the bat. It so was you, awful umpiring. Let me ask you. I completely agree with you, all right? Awful, awful, awful. Do you take him out after the call strikeout because you say to yourself, boy, that's, it's not even really a strikeout? I don't know if I would have. I, I'd be lying to <laughs> you if I said I would have. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I, I wouldn't, but you're right. I, I
1: if I'm Buck, I'm like definitely going. Like he does not have it right now. And again, if you want to save him for the next day or whatever it is, this is your time. He doesn't have it. He could lose it. No. Listen, it's it's first of all. Here's the other thing too. It's not like we have like a three run lead. It was a one run lead. The, the game tying run is at first base, and the winning runs at the
0: plate. Hey, he makes one bad pitch, and we're talking about an all-time loss. You know, we're talking about that loss that just sinks your season, which, you know, they've had a lot of bad losses. They've had a lot of losses, period, over the last few weeks. But these wins they've had have been so close to being epic disasters. And this had the makings of one. It did. I don't think you save Robertson at that point, because I think once he starts the ninth inning, he's long past saving. Because he's already thrown 25 pitches after the first batter. So I think at that point, you're not even thinking about, well, would I somehow have him available for Saturday, Sunday? It's more, how do I win this game? What I thought was very, very strange, though, is that the first guy warming up in the ninth inning was not Drew Smith. It was Dominic Leone. And then apparently Leone felt some discomfort and sat down, and Drew Smith was warming up. I never thought of Dominic Leone to begin with as the guy that was going to come in in that spot. We both thought it would be Drew Smith. It eventually turned out to be Drew Smith, but I guess Dominic Leone was an option too for that ninth inning. That was that was adventurous. That was and that was one of those games too, Pete, where I was hours behind. I'm watching the Drew Smith strikeout of Lane Thomas. It must have been. 11 45. So I'd say like an hour or so behind, maybe not as long as I thought, because it turned out to be a long game because so many pitches were thrown. It was actually a three hour, 10 minute game. So figured it ended 10, 15, 10 20. So I was about an hour and a half behind on that. And I always find that weird because I'm stressed out to no end yet. Everyone else already knows the result. Hey, yeah. You know, everybody else knows. Yeah. Drew Smith struck out lane Thomas. Yeah. They escaped. I was convinced they were going to lose this game. I, I really was, because for all the losses they've had, and they've had plenty of them, they haven't had that epic closing meltdown yet. Now, that may happen this weekend. It may happen next week. It may happen very quickly. They haven't had it yet. And everything about Friday night with Robertson being stretched out and the fleet-off walk and the almost walk to call and then Drew Smith being in the game, I'm watching this thing thinking, this is going to end terribly. This is the... Kurt Suzuki home run off Edwin Diaz from 2019. It's common. And luckily it didn't come because it was important, man. Every one of these wins has been important, but the one on Friday against the nationals, I'd say the most important win of the year at this point.